one group of friends. No idea. One big dream. From the loos to the booze to the queues. What goes into making a festival happen? Can we pull it off? Welcome to How to Build a Festival. And welcome back to How to Build a Festival. Uh, the gang are all back together today, uh, having mainly recovered from our various illnesses. Uh, so hi Ross, hi Rachel. Hi. Hello. Um, and today we're going to try and flesh out a bit of the detail of what our next steps. Um, but before we get to that sort of uh, recent news, so guys, last time I spoke to you, you were about to go to see Star Sailor. It's a bit of a tongue twister. How was it? Um, it was really good. So we went to see them last Saturday at Electric Ballroom in Camden. They were doing a 20th anniversary um, tour of Silence Is Easy. Their, um, I was going to say their first album, their second album, their second album. Um, and it was actually great. Like I kind of obviously really loved kind of Love Is Here at the time, but they've got so many great songs I'd kind of forgotten about. Um, and also the other benefit of it was that we were probably the youngest people in the crowd. So that was always a feel good, uh, feel good exercise. Yeah, on that note, thanks to everybody who messaged last week after I said that I wanted an over 25s campsite reading to point out that I could have a slightly older one than that. Thanks, thanks for that, it made me feel great. <laughs> Um, Ross, you particularly liked the crowd, didn't you? They were very polite, no talking. Very polite. They, um, yeah, <laughs> although we do need to have a conversation about... We, we talked about gig talkers as a um, as, as one of our pet hates of, of live music, but we haven't talked about gig farters yet, and we were oh stood right behind uh, someone who definitely had some sort of problem coming up. <laughs> I'm not sure what they'd had for dinner, but it was very bad. Like we, we, you know, some like 10 foot tall people stood in front of us. They were very polite. They asked us, would we like to go in front of them? All lovely. No talking. Very respectful crowd. But somebody was having some problems. Yeah. Oh, dear. The trouble is, is there's no way of proving it's not you, is there? Exactly. That is the worst (laughs) bit because, I mean, Ross kept looking at me like, was that you? And I was like, no, how can you prove it? Um, but they were good. I think Star Sailor kind of get chucked in with a lot of bands from the sort of noughties that um, people are a bit sniffy about now. And it just like it was just an era, a few years where an indie music was popular. Um, I think they're uh, I think they're pretty good. It's got some of the um, yeah, their first album's my my favourite of theirs. A bit like you, but they did um, they did come back out and play a good handful of. Um, of that first album, Good Souls. Um, uh, poor Misguided, poor misguided Fool. Fool. That's my favourite um, of their song. Alcoholic. That was a really good, good sing-along. Everyone was like shouting that, weren't they? Yeah, and a couple of new songs with the guy from Embrace, which I quite enjoyed as well. So we'll mm. look out for their new album as well. Um, but yeah, to the point of the crowd, we had two, uh, two things happen that are unusual. Firstly, when I went to the bar, everybody was politely helping the barmaid out by pointing out to them who was in front of them every time she came to serve someone, which I genuinely don't think has ever happened before in the history of uh, live uh, live music, sport, or just going to the pub. Um, and secondly, some you talked about being stuck behind someone eight foot tall at Wonder Horse. Yep. Um, some literally eight foot tall man came and stood in front of us and then um, turned around politely and asked where he could stand to make sure that we could still see. And then he proceeded to fart his way through yeah. the <laughs> Well, you can't win them all. Um, but on the note of 2000s indie, 
Um, the Victorious lineup came up this week, <laughs> um, and I would say that is heavily, heavily focused on mm. naughties indie. So there's Snow Patrol, uh, Maximo Park, yay, um, pretty indie. But I also think it's a great lineup. It's got Jamie T. It's got the Cortinas, Biffy Clyro is headlining. So C Map. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ross, we get it. Favorite. You love, you love seeing. We all love seeing that. Far too far down the line, which looks like she'll probably only get an hour in that slot. Um, wet leg. Um, yes, really decent line. We've never been. I've never been. You've been a few times. It's always yeah. the week after Green Man, which is like our um, uh, first festival we book up every year, anyway. So I find that a bit of a bit of a squeeze, but a big decision to make this year because the same weekend all point seats have announced mm. the postal service and death cab playing a headline slot on the sunday so where are you throwing your money cat if i could get tickets to the all points east gig then i would go to see death cab and the postal service um i've seen death cab i love them a lot um, I've never seen the Postal Service. Obviously, the front man, Benjamin Gibbard, is the same person. Um, it's going to be a tiring day for him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if I can get... I, I would, it's a shame because I thought the Victoria's lineup looked really cool. And, I've, like I said, I've been to it a couple of times before and it's good fun. Um, but, no, I would pick that one if I had to make a choice. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going, like, back to back or if it's, like, a, a medley He's just oh, going to oh. intersperse postal service and death cab songs. We could do, the, I mean, the Saturday lineup at Victorious is absolutely um, insane. So we could just uh, pop down to Portsmouth for the Saturday just and head down, back for the sure. Sunday. <laughs> That's bank. the sort of ambitious thing I did in my 20s that yeah. I don't do now. <laughs> <laughs> August bank holiday trains are famously well uh, yeah. well serviced yeah. as well should so it should be easy so well. um death cab always remind me of um the oc because they were the, the band they never stopped talking about in the oc weren't yeah, they yeah they performed on it didn't they yeah because they had the bar in the oc it was like a, a tiny little venue it looked like the lexington and they had like yes. the killers and, the, yeah. <laughs> and death cab and rooney yeah. <laughs> They're very much a uni band, <laughs> but I still love them. Like, yeah. And when they play I'll Follow You Into The Dark, it's always the most beautiful moment. Like, it makes me cry every time. So I still want to go. Yeah. And there's definitely something to be said for nostalgia. Like, going to see Star Study the other day just was so nostalgic. And um, Kat, I think you've got some more tickets that are a little bit nostalgic coming up. I don't know about that, Rachel. He's very current and modern. Um, as I did mention, um, the man is a festival in himself. Uh, but Robbie Williams is playing British Summertime next summer. Um, and I am going to be there thanks to one of my friends who managed to get us tickets in the pre-sale. It was very difficult to get tickets, actually, mm. surprisingly. They sold out really fast. Um, but yeah, love Rob Williams. Just, yeah, you know, when I was a teenager, my MSN name was Cat for Eternity after Robbie Williams. <laughs> I, I must say, I, I am a bit of a Robbie Williams fan as well. It's mainly my sister who's the big Robbie Williams fan, but I saw him at Nebworth and I think I went with my sister to see him at the O2 as well, um, where he actually like almost brushed right by us. He was like on the stage in the middle. Um, that was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but have you watched the new documentary on Netflix? I have not yet seen it, no. Because my husband weirdly less of a fan than me. I know, Ross didn't want to watch it either, weirdly. Um, <laughs> Just seemed to be him watching old gigs of himself in his pants. 
Oh, I'd be fine with that. I mean, essentially, <laughs> that's what it is. Spoiler alert, Rossi. Um, essentially, he's just watching like feet, um, sort of old clips and videos of of his career and himself in his pants in bed at home and talking about it. Oh, I am going to watch it then. It's <laughs> it's really good actually. I I binged it in my kind of COVIDy haze, um, but yeah, I would recommend. Fantastic. Okay, so I am not sure if we can afford Robbie Williams for our festival, sadly. What we do want to do today is decide, like properly make a decision for once, um, what kind of music we want our festival to be about so that we can start thinking about bands that we could maybe approach or get involved. Um, So I think, you know, obviously that's one of the most, well, probably the most important thing about a festival, arguably, is the music that's involved. Um, So it'll be good for us to have a conversation and, and have some thoughts on whether we want something very specific based around a certain kind of genre or, or a bit more diverse. So I guess, you know, from a starting point, what do you guys think in terms of what sort of music we want to have at our festival? Yeah, so for me, I think we all have a fairly similar taste in music. We're kind of into indie music, pop music, folky sort of stuff. It's all kind of similar Venn diagram. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of, you know... I don't know if there's too much mileage in, in going for another indie festival. You know, there's a lot of, you know, your trucks, your Why Not, your Victorious Neighbourhood Weekender who are, are rolling out your noughties indie bands who, we, you know, we all quite in, enjoy them. But I think that market's pretty saturated. And there's, a, there's definitely a, a question of you go down one road with kind of your types of band that you go in for. That gives you strengthen the lineup where you're aiming at one particular type of music fan but if you go for variety you've got to trade off the fact that it's diluted a bit in terms of what any individuals might might be after especially when you're starting a new festival and you haven't got a kind of a brand already but equally I think it gives you access to a wider range of acts you we've talked about wanting to be something for small bands and small artists and particularly local to an area and I think that gives us more flexibility and I also think in the long term it gives us access to a much broader audience Mm -hmm. and the ability to try and create a festival that people enjoy going to because it's a good festival and not just because you know this year we got Maximo Park instead of Truck got Maximo Park or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, do you know what I mean? Like, and then we, you're not so reliant on headliners. And I think a lot of the small to medium-sized festivals that do really well are the ones that kind of doesn't really matter who's headlining on who are the names in capital letters at the top of the bill. I think one of the things that I really value about festivals is going to see different types of music because it's kind of, you know, you're there, hopefully, you know, you're enjoying the kind of the environment and everything around you. And it's kind of a really good opportunity to try out something new. So, you know, you don't have to buy tickets for a specific gig or, you know, you can kind of wander past if you like the sound of it, you can join, you know, if you, um, you can kind of see half a set of someone, half a set of another one. Um, and it's a really good opportunity to see new bands and to be honest it's one of the the ways I kind of find new bands that especially kind of up and coming ones that I I really enjoy seeing so I think a mixture is a good is a good way to go yeah no I completely agree with you and I think that's kind of what we want to do right we want to be able to showcase some bands that maybe haven't had the opportunity to to kind of get their message out 
um, because I think you sort of mentioned there's been some some closures of venues right recently. Mm. Do you want to? Yeah. So in like this week in the news, there's been a um, mole venue in Bath um, has closed, which has been open since like the 1970s. Um, and it, again, the kind of like the owners are saying like cost of living crisis, and also people not having, um, you know, the kind of the kind of spare money, I suppose, um, mm. after things like you know rent, etc. Um, and there's a lot of people come out and said, you know, that the music industry itself needs to invest a lot more in grassroots music. Um, and another festival, Nostock, which has been going for like 26 years, is also having to close after 2024. Again, very kind of similar um, post-COVID and cost of living crisis pressures. So, um, you know, their places would that have given bands when they're small a good opportunity um, to play and kind of um, kind of make a start. And I, I mean, I say I say that, but then people's you know like oasis radiohead etc who we know are not small bands but obviously <laughs> everyone has to start somewhere um yeah I, th- I would say any anyone who's got an interest in this should should read the statement from the um mole zoners it's really interesting i mean that a lot of people think of these small independent venues of places you go to see really niche music but to rachel's point oasis ed sheeran played there before they blew up and um and the, the statement's really interesting. They mention over 120 independent venues have closed in the last year, um, which is apparently over 15% of the sector. So it really is indicative of where, where things are. So it's a great time for us to be starting it then. Yeah, <laughs> so essentially I'm feeling really positive. Um, <laughs> what a great idea. I, no. think, I think the other thing is, you know, that, that might be feeding into that is, um, you know, that now there's lots of different ways of bands and artists to get music um, out there to people rather than just playing gigs. So um, I was reading something about on um, the BBC about how someone on TikTok, May Stevens, has, um, she's become kind of, an artist through putting out music on TikTok, essentially. Mm. She's got time number 30 in the charts. She's now um, doing kind of collaborations with Megan Trainer, Chainsmokers. Um, and yeah, and that's all just through being on TikTok. I mean, I'm not even on TikTok, but apparently that's what the kids are doing these days. Get down with the kids, Rachel. <laughs> um, no, I completely agree. And I think, so that's one thing we've 100% agreed on, right? That we really want to be able to support local and showcase emerging artists mm. so we can find or help people find new new talent. Um, I also think we probably do want to have, you know, someone like a headliner that draws in the crowd. Mm. So that's something that's really important. Um, but, you know, I don't think that necessarily has to mean that they're completely mainstream because I think one thing that's really surprised me really in the last couple of years uh, is how smaller bands have such can especially now because like you say because of the internet and mm. word of mouth and that kind of thing have such huge followings mm. um so I, you know i know we've spoken about them before but melon melon who love melon melon rachel really loves um but the the skinner brothers who i went to see um they have i've been following them on instagram now and they have crazy gigs where people go completely wild for them and mm. like you know they're not a huge band but they've got like a really really good sort of back catalogue of music um so you know i think you can look for some bands that don't necessarily sort of like pop up constantly in the top 10 on spotify but that doesn't mean that they're not doing really really well and wouldn't dry draw in like a big audience yeah agreed uh mitski is another one who i think has got entirely uh, famous based on her tiktok mm. following and she's on the third row of the lineup at primavera sound this year which is 
incredible to me. Wow. Not that I think she's bad, she's very good, but it's, it's, <laughs> her, her route to success is, is completely different <laughs> now to what we, we kind of grew up with, isn't it? So essentially, it's gone from kind of, you know, MySpace, Napster, and now onto TikTok. So guys, we're going to, well, I, I say guys, cats on TikTok already, me and Ross are going to have to bite the bullet and get on there, she's some scouting, it looks like. I'm already on threads. Oh my, god. oh my god okay i'm not on tiktok that makes it sound like i do dances <laughs> on tiktok okay i just like watch tiktoks like most of the rest of the world grandmas i um, think um i do watch it but like several months later on instagram <laughs> i know because you send me them <laughs> like, i've seen them already okay so getting back on topic so that we can make a decision because <laughs> you may have noticed that we're very good at talking but not that good at coming to any conclusions um but so trying to sum it up um as i might say at work um, I think what we've agreed is that we ultimately would like to explore a range of diverse different music sort of um, genres, but realistically this is like a passion project for us. Um, so the likelihood is that it's going to still be a kind of indie folk, pop rock kind of based festival, but we'll be willing to explore other options should we should we want to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's open to everyone. Even jazz, Rossi? No, not jazz. <laughs> you have to draw a line somewhere. But no, I mean, I think, you know, as we've sort of been to some festivals before that are very specific, right? So I'm thinking of um, Black Deer, where, you know, it's very focused around Americana music, which I like a lot. Um, but by the end of the day, you know, I've had enough of the banjo. My head's like ringing. Um, so it was good. I mean, no, to be fair on that festival, they did have other, other diverse sort of um, options available, which made it really good fun. Um, but yeah, I think that that's something that's really helpful and can make people have a better time. Yeah, sometimes just when you, you've kind of reached your dip, you just want to go somewhere and get a bit of energy, don't you? And um, that's kind of uh, something we need to think about as well. Go and have a dance. I always, um, I know we talk about Greenman a lot, um, but agreement, I love um, the Chiwallers stage. So there's always something on in the in Chiwallers that I love. Um, it's lots of different types of music, but there's, it's always generally quite upbeat. You can dance to it, and I've never been in there and not had a good time. They do a whole range of festivals every year as well. Um, mm. It's a similar um, around a similar theme, I think. Sadly, also I was reading um, in the Guardian actually it's quite hard to get US acts. Um, because US festivals kind of have different models of how they pay their artists. So, um, you know, obviously some artists kind of recognise the value of playing places such as Glastonbury or, you know, getting their kind of music to a wider mm. group of people. But I think how they um, sort of pay them means that it's less attractive to come to the UK. So we might have to put a, put a pin in that for now for have to save up for Tato. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the economics of running a festival in one of our future episodes shortly so we can maybe come back mm. round to that when we when we talk about that but it's a really interesting point like how much you pay and if you pay and whether you just do it for exposure or not so yeah really really interesting point and obviously one of the key things we need to bridge is how big of a audience what's the kind of capacity mm. that we're going for to start mm. with versus you know <clears throat> what we might hope to get to in the future and that clearly drives um a little bit the type of bands we're going for especially at the top of the lineup to start with yeah we don't want to have one of those really big bands you know like the ones that have like 12 members and have more bands like more people in the band than we have in the audience <laughs> 
Um, but if you are in a band, uh, wherever you are in the world, not that we're saying we can fly you over business class or anything, um, <laughs> but we would love to hear from you and we'd love to have a chance to listen to your music. And we're always open to hearing new music. Um, all of us like a diverse range of different kinds of things, no matter what we've just said. <laughs> so, so please do get in contact. All right, so we actually got a question in from a listener this week, which we weren't anticipating. We thought we could uh, spend, spend a bit of time time on listener questions. Um, so the question we got is, is LSF the best song ever? Um, I don't know if the question was, is it objectively the best song ever written? Is it the best live song ever? Or is it our favourite song ever? Um, and it was an interesting question, actually, because... Probably was a time when LSF, the Kasabian song, mm-hmm. probably was my favourite live song. Um, Kasabian best live ha- song or best song? Well, that's it's not the best song ever, but for a while it was my favourite live song. I really had a Kasabian phase about 10 years ago. Um, that's kind of why it's a good question, because I don't really know which one of those it is. Um, so what, I guess the question then, not necessarily yes, no, is that the best song, but what is the best live song for you? Don't look back in anger. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Um, oh, I've seen... Yeah, I mean, that's a real... I, I guess you have to think objectively what is the best live song ever or what is my best that's live song ever. I think it's really hard to pick the two things apart because so much of music and enjoying music is subjective and sometimes it's like where you are, who you're with and kind of... Especially live music, isn't it? And sometimes yeah. how you're feeling... Okay. It's probably really hard to say objectively what's the best live song ever unless you've been to literally <laughs> tens of thousands of... Okay, but you know... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but like objectively I think something like Don't Look Back in Anger or like Let It Be or like Hey Jude, like something that everyone, more or less everyone mm. knows. Um, but subjectively, so if you're looking at just me, um, Cornerstone by the Arctic Monkeys. Um, and I saw Cornerstone. I was in the front row of the Arctic Monkeys mm. at Reading in 2009, and he played Cornerstone for the first time. And I swear that we were looking at each other, me and Alex. <laughs> so my secret mission for this whole the whole reason I'm really doing this festival is so that one day I can just meet Alex Turner. I just feel like I don't. Really, I can't think of <laughs> any other way. No, now we know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, so but just putting that out there into the world. Um, that's mine. Can't you just go to like a record signing or something. I don't think he does record signings, does he? <laughs> if we do, he probably have to pay like a million pounds. Meet and greet. Probably VIP. be cheaper at this point. <laughs> maybe, maybe. What about you, Rachel? Okay, now, I, it's this is the hardest question. Um, it's the first one we've had. I know, it's such a hard question. So <laughs> I just think that it's so linked to kind of emotion and the, the song that I saw live that's made me cry my eyes out... Okay, I'm just looking at your faces because I know you're going to judge me, both steps, of you. It's not going to be steps, is it? It's not steps. Okay. Um, it start. was almost that bad. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it was Fix You by Coldplay at Glastonbury, my first Glastonbury. So it could be that it was just a lot of Glastonbury and, you know, and I, like, and I used to love Coldplay, like their first two, three albums. And it was obviously 2011, so quite a long time ago, but... I was just born, me and Graham were just bawling our eyes out at, at Glastonbury at, at Fix You, and it was really, it was really a moment. You know what, there's a lot of Coldplay snobbery, and I am part of that, and I'm, you know, very guilty of that, but that is a beautiful song, mm. and I can't deny it, and I'm mm. not surprised. I think that's a lovely song. Uh, we are 
really repping independent music here, guys, uh, with Coldplay <laughs> and the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'll try and think of something else. Right, I'm going to continue that theme. Oh, God. Um, until they were cancelled, for me, Sprawl 2 uh, by Arcade Fire was uh, definitely up there for me. Um, famously bad live band, Fleet Foxes, Your Protector, was also a song that every time I hear that live, that gets me... I'm going to go with Felice Brothers because they're my favourite live band. Mm. Um, Wonderful Life is an absolutely incredibly kind of um, powerful live song. It's really, really strong. They are they are great live. Um, well, at <laughs> talking of like, you know, independent music, I also had on my shortlist Backstreet Boys, <laughs> 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 which will not be a surprise to Kat or us or probably anyone listening. Um, but basically, like, you know, sometimes your first love is, is your deepest love, you know? Mm. That's live. Would you have the same, fa- just favourite song? So, like, putting aside live shows you've seen, is your favourite song the same, uh, I suspect? No. And I'll just hand it over to you two and ask which Taylor song <laughs> would you go for? No, I've seen Taylor Swift, so I could have... Um, no I, okay first of all this, what's your favourite song is a ridiculous question isn't it yeah um, but there's an answer that I give to that but I don't know if it's still true if that makes sense like there's an answer I've just given for a really long time and it's Die Straits Romeo and Juliet yeah, that's in my top ten definitely that's a great so, song so that's probably what I say if, if people ask me yeah I again it's such a hard question one of my favourite songs in the last couple of years um is Old Sea Brigade, Call Me When You Land. That is a real beautiful song, which Ross played a lot and got into my brain. Um, that's, yeah, that's really good. Going back to the live ones, I, I do have a couple other, like, on. more cool ones, maybe slightly. Um, Bar Brothers at Llama Tree Festival, song that I heard. That was very... That was a, that was a, that was a lovely, a lovely little song. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's such a hard question. Ross, go on. What's yours? What's your favourite song of My all time? My favourite actual song of all time. Yeah. Like you say, it is a ridiculous question. Um, probably The Chain. By Fleetwood Mac. By mm. Fleetwood Mac. That or the Jimi Hendrix version of All Along the Watchtower, I think, is really, really, really good as well. I like the Bob Dylan version better. Do you? Mm. Controversial opinion. It's his song. But so also, it's, it's very it. squeaky, but yeah. you know. <laughs> it's a good song, though. No. I think that all of the um, Jimi Hendrix version, just like, it's always... It's in like some really amazing films. It's always well positioned in there. Yeah, no, it when is. It was yeah. That's film, like um, Sound of Silence. Yeah. That's, in such, yes. that's like such a good film song. Yeah. We should have a uh, what's our best film song? Okay, we'll prepare that for next it. week. <laughs> um, okay, but if you do have any more questions, um, please do send them in. You can send them to us on Instagram or by email. It's howtobuildafest at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, or. X, I can't get used to saying X, not Twitter. Um, X or Twitter, all our handle was just how to build a fest. Um, so, yeah, please do get in touch. All right, should we just quickly recap then on what we've. We have made a few decisions over the last few weeks. We haven't just talked about Taylor and Robbie Williams. Um, so, going back to the mutations, what, uh, what have we actually kind of got over the line in the last few weeks? Okay, so I think we've agreed that ultimately we want an outdoor festival, like a kind of traditional festival, but that we might do some kind of like dry run in a pub or something just to practice our organisational party throwing skills, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's always good to throw a party in a pub anyway. 
<laughs> Great. We've now also agreed that, you know, in terms of music genre, we're going to focus on what we like, but also, you know, our main focus is on supporting local and up-and-coming artists. Yeah, in whatever kind of shape and form and style they come. Yeah. And while we've decided that music is the kind of, uh, I suppose, key driver and our, our main kind of um, sort of focus, we want to have lots of other um, activities and things at the festival, such as comedy, art, theatre, performance, dance, dance, everything. We want it all. Yeah, so I think the things we now need to think about are probably the more practical things. So things like infrastructure, cost, how it's actually going to work. But we have thought about that and we're going to get to those in the next couple of weeks. So keep on listening. Thanks as always to Tony Flagg's music. You can find him on Instagram for our super intro music. And thanks to Glenn for the artwork. We will uh, be back next week. Bye.